We're continuing on here in our study through Henry Scudder's book, The Christian's Daily Walk. And the next two chapters are dealing with walking with God in times of prosperity. And then the next one is walking with God in times of adversity. Now, I don't have this in your notes. I put it in mine just kind of tongue-in-cheek, but I think also kind of where the rubber meets the road. I think most of us are probably, or at least we feel, we feel like we're probably uh, more familiar with walking with God in adversity than we are with walking with God in prosperity, um, because it might be your perception that you're not very prosperous. Um, that is actually one of the things that he does take some issue with in, in the book, that we misinterpret and we misunderstand prosperity. We, we misdefine, we, we ill-define uh, success. And we'll get to that toward the end today. We are so wrapped up in the here and now. We're so wrapped up and so consumed with the temporal that we lose sight of the spiritual and the eternal. And he does make a good emphasis that uh, God's blessings to us, at least our focus on those, should be the spiritual and the eternal blessings that we have in Christ. The temporal blessings that we know is kind of just like icing on the cake. It's kind of just extra. We, we don't deserve any of it at all. The spiritual and the temporal is what we have in Christ. I'm sorry, the spirit, I said that wrong. The spiritual and the eternal is what we have in Christ, but he has also, in his mercy and in his grace to us, given to us so much temporal that it's the overabundance of his goodness to us. And so when he deals with this subject of walking with God in prosperity, the first line of argument that he gives uh, that I've put here, point number one in your notes, is the way he phrases it here, watch against common sins that come with, with success. Now, we tend, this is the natural tendency, is when we have success, when we have prosperity, so your job's going well, Things in your family are going well. There's no problems. You know, no, nobody's arguing with each other. It, everything just seems to be going well, which you, you might not know what I'm talking about. You might not have ever experienced such a thing. But if, if generally things are going well, then we tend to rest on our laurels. And we tend to not view God rightly. And so... This is an excellent place to start because this is human nature. And this is where the sinfulness of our own sinful hearts would take us. We need to watch against those common sins that come with success. And so he mentions four here. The first one 
he mentions is forgetting God. In times of trouble, this is our, our nature as Christians, it's time, in times of trouble we circle the wagons and we want our name at the top of the prayer request list. Right? We, 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 we call the pastor, we call the guy and say, hey, put me on the prayer request list, put me up top, I'm having problems. And, and we want to pray for ourselves and we want everybody we know to pray for us. But when things are going well, you've never asked for a prayer request. You, you've never called the pastor. You've never raised your hand in Wednesday night prayer meeting and said, hey, everything in my life right now is going really, really wonderfully. And I want you to pray that the Lord will help me not take that for granted. Right? That, like that's never been a prayer request on Wednesday night at our church. And I'm not throwing rocks at you and, and accusing him. Just it's the facts of it. Right? I've not done it, and we naturally don't think that way. And so there is a fear. There is a tendency to forget the Lord. The Lord knew this, and he warned his people about it. So we're going to turn up a lot of verses here this morning. We'll try to go through these relatively quickly. We might not finish with all the notes this morning, but uh, turn up Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy 6. And so, you remember Deuteronomy 5 is the other place where the Lord gives the Ten Commandments in order. So we have Exodus 20, we have Deuteronomy 5. So we have a context of, of keeping the law, keeping the Ten Commandments. If you go to the beginning of Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, verse 7, for example, um, thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. So he's talking about the law, the, the words of God. Teach them to your kids. Verse 10 is where we're in here. And it says, And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells digged which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not, when thou shalt eaten and be full, then beware, lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. And so the Lord warned his people about that. You're, you're going to come into the promised land. You're, you're going to be in this land flowing with milk and honey. You're going to take over houses that you didn't build. You're going to move into these houses, and they're fully furnished. And in the backyard is a garden that you didn't plant, but there's fruit ripe for you to go pick. And there's a well that's already been dug, and the Lord is just handing you all of this prosperity at one time. When that happens, be careful. Don't forget the Lord. The Lord's the one that gave you all of these things. The second temptation, the second sin that often comes with success, uh, we'll turn over to Daniel chapter 4, is taking credit for that success yourself. And so you forget the Lord, and you, you forget from whence you've come, and you take credit for this success. And so this was the sin of Nebuchadnezzar. He was an unbeliever when he did this, but it still is 
the, the plight of human nature. Daniel 4, verse 30, the king spake and said, Hey, everybody look. Is not this great Babylon that I have built? The house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? And so here's Nebuchadnezzar taking all the credit and all the glory for himself, to himself. Now he's an unbeliever doing this, but we know that we as believers can do the same kind of thing. We become very proud of ourselves and our own ingenuity, and we take the credit to ourselves. But even while the words were in his mouth, verse 31 there in Daniel 4, uh, the Lord came and said, the kingdom is is taken away from you. And the Lord dealt with that pride and he dealt with that arrogance and took the kingdom because the success wasn't his. Um, C, the third thing that he puts here, is the sin of somehow thinking that you are better than others when you have success. That somehow you figured out the secret sauce, that, that somehow you deserve this good that you've received and, and others don't because obviously there's some kind of sin that they're dealing with and the Lord's not prospering them the way he's prospering you and you've, you've arrived, right? You're, you've, you've gotten what you deserve. The Lord has finally recognized how good you've been. Well, that's ridiculous, right? 1 Timothy 6, look at this passage. 1 Timothy 6, uh, verse 17. Uh, here Paul talks to Timothy about being high-minded, thinking better of yourself than you ought to think. So he says in 1 Timothy 6, 17, charge them that are rich in this world, those that are wealthy, those that have prospered by this world's standards, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches. But instead of trusting in those riches, trust in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, not only rich in, in wealth, but rich in charity, ready to distribute, willing to, to communicate what the Lord has given to them to other people, laying up for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. And so here Paul, this is a pastoral epistle, right? Paul is, is teaching Timothy, this, this is one of those things that you need to pass on to those in your congregation, those that the Lord has prospered, that they be careful not to be high-minded and to think of themselves more than they ought to think, but to in humility, uh, distribute to those who have need. The fourth one, the fourth sin that he would warn us against is just simply trusting in your own success. And this is the resting in your laurels kind of thing that, you know, the Lord has prospered you and maybe the Lord has prospered you for a time and you, you begin to rest on that and in that sense, you begin to take God for granted. You know, maybe, maybe a year ago or two years ago, every night at the dinner table, Lord, provide for the needs of our family. Lord, provide, Lord, provide, Lord, provide, Lord, direct, Lord, provide. 
And the Lord does all those things, and your, your, your spiritual aspect of that now is just in cruise control, and you're not praying, Lord, continue to provide. The Lord provided. The Lord answered your prayer in that sense. And the Lord has given you a level of prosperity. You're doing well. And you just coast through taking the Lord's provision for granted. And, you know, I got this whole self-employed business thing figured out. I can, I can just, you know, cruise control. And you take the Lord for granted. Psalm 6210, uh, the first part of that verse, so I put, no, I'm sorry, the second part, 6210b, if riches increase, set not your heart upon them, is what the psalmist tells us. And then another just general principle of scripture that's given to us, I don't have this reference in your notes, you could jot this down, Deuteronomy 8, verse 18, always remember um, the verse says, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. This is the, the Old Testament equivalent of James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from above. Right? It, it is the Lord that gives you the, the power, the ability to, to have prosperity. And so don't trust in your own success. Continue to trust in the Lord. Even when the Lord has given you a level of success, don't fall into this common sin that comes with success of trusting in your own abilities. You know, I got it figured out. I can just go and just keep going the way I'm going and everything's going to be great. No, the Lord is the one who has his hand on the spigot, if you will. And the Lord can turn it on and the Lord can turn it off. And, and we trust the Lord to control that and, and to give us what we need uh, along the way. So that's the first line of argument that he gives us in walking with God in times of prosperity or, or in success. And then the second one, he points our attention to the need that we have to give thanks to the Lord. This seems obvious, right? It seems an obvious thing, but we've... We've talked a good bit in this place um, about the tendency we have not to be thankful. Uh, we are to thank the Lord. And we know we're supposed to thank the Lord. But we live in a culture, we live in a society that just generally is unthankful. I don't know if you remember two, maybe three years ago now, I preached on that passage I guess it was a Sunday before Thanksgiving in Romans where it lists all these horrible, awful sins and neither were thankful. Like, like being unthankful is right up there with murder and stealing and adultery and all these bad, horrible things. Neither were thankful. And it's one of the Lord's condemnations. And people are not thankful because to be thankful implies that there is someone greater than you to whom you owe thanks. And, you know, there, there's an aspect of thanking our fellow man that's appropriate, but we know that goes past that. We, we know there is a God in heaven 
to whom we owe thanks. And, and we'll unfold some of that here in just a minute. But we know that there is a God in heaven to whom we give thanks. And we live in a, a culture that has rejected the very idea of God, the, the concept of a higher authority that, that I'm accountable to. And, and so who do they thank? And so they don't. They're not thankful. But the way he phrases his first point here when he talks about giving thanks to God, he said it is the chief and most lasting service and worship which God has required of you. And really what he's meaning there is that it is at the very foundation of worship there is an attitude of thanksgiving for what God has done. When we, when we worship God, we are ascribing to Him worth. We are ascribing to Him weight and value. He is worthy. And we praise Him, we thank Him for who He is and for what He has done. That, that, is, that is our praise, that is our thanksgiving. And you, you may see through the notes here, I, I tried to go back and and tighten it up and, and make sure I was consistent, but I, I probably missed some. Um, because you'll see even in the verses that I have reference here, the word praise, and not so much necessarily the word thanks or thanksgiving, I'm using those completely interchangeably. To, to thank the Lord, to praise the Lord, and to worship the Lord I'm using all three of those words as if they were the same word. Just I'm using those as equal synonyms to one another. Obviously, there's nuances of, of differences in them. But as the language of the verses are in the authorized version, it, it's using the word praise. Um, you'll, you'll see Psalm 115.1 just as an example. Um, Unto thy name give glory. That's the same thing of, of praising, of, of thanking so I'm using all those words interchangeably, hopefully, so that's not confusing. But we praise the Lord because it is the chief and most lasting service of, of worship which God's required of us. He's required of us to praise and thank Him. But then B, He just makes the simple point that it is due Him. So look up Psalm 29. <coughs> Psalm 29 verse 1, or the first two verses here. Here the psalmist gives us this direction, this command, Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And so God deserves the thanks that we give to him. Uh, he makes a point later, and we'll, we'll see this later. But whether or not we perceive what the Lord has done for us to be positive or negative, whether we believe in the heat of the moment that our circumstances are good or bad really doesn't make any difference. God deserves our praise for everything he does for us. So let, let me illustrate this uh, in, in a way that is really parallel. So we as parents, 
we, we love to do good things for our children. You, you children might not understand that, but we parents really do love to do good things for our kids. And so, you know, we, we give you a gift. It, it's not even your birthday. It's not even Christmas. I don't know if this happens in your house. We, we give you something. Here's the thing. And our children say, thank you. Thank you for this good, nice thing that you just gave me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, then, a week later, our kids do something stupid, sinful, and we spank them. You know, we're in the bedroom, you go through the whole business, and you apply the rod, and they cry, and they dance in circles, and they do all the things that you do that too, right? All that, all that that goes on with a spanking. And the tears finally stop. You children should look at your mom or your dad, and do you know what you should say? Thank you for disciplining me. Thank you for obeying the Lord and doing what God has commanded you to do. I know that was hard. Thank you for doing that. Right? You kids don't do that. I understand that. My kids have never done that. But you understand what I'm saying. Right? You should be thankful even for the discipline. Because why did your parents discipline you? They were supposed to have disciplined you because they love you and this is the best thing for you right now. You need to learn this lesson. Now, if we as parents discipline our children in anger, shame on us for doing such a thing, and that's wrong, and we should never do that. But we discipline in love, we discipline because we know that our children need to be brought in line. They need to, they need to conform to what God has commanded. And we're doing it as, as the best expression of love that we can. And the same love that comes with a, a paddle is the same love that comes with a new video game. Right? It's the same heart of we want what's best for you. We want to encourage you. We want, we want to do what's right. We want to help you. And the Lord does the same. The Lord punishes us, and we should thank him for that. The Lord brings difficult circumstances to try our faith. We should thank him for that. The Lord brings great prosperity, and we should thank him for that. But it's the same heart of love that God is dealing with in all of those situations. God cannot be mean. It's impossible for him. It's contrary to his character. God cannot do wrong. God cannot do less than perfect best. He can't do different than that. And so whatever God has done, we thank him for what he has done. And so it is due him this Thanksgiving. And so he, he deals with seven questions. And really the questions are very obvious. You look at these seven questions and you already know the answer to You've got enough spiritual sense. You know the answer to these questions um, as they're asked. So, for example, the first one, who should give thanks? Well, everybody. Everybody has to thank the Lord. Everybody's commanded to thank the Lord. It's not only Christians that are commanded to thank the Lord. 
But we read in Psalm 150, verse 6, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Everything is to praise the Lord. Um, who should we thank? So, obviously that's to the Lord only. To the Lord ultimately, you know, the Lord uses means and we, if the Lord has used another person as a means of, of blessing, we, we do thank the means, but we thank the Lord for using those means. So Psalm 115, 1, not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy, for thy truth's sake. Through whom should we thank? Ephesians 5.20, this verse plays a, a couple times here. Give thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is that one who is the mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. The blessings that we have from God flow through us through Christ. They are earned for us by Christ. And so it is through Christ that we thank the Lord. In, in the Lord's name, we, we thank God for everything we have. For what should we give thanks? Well, everything. So Ephesians 5.20 again, give thanks always for all things. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks. And this plays out what I said to you just a moment ago. Whether we perceive in the moment the thing the circumstance that we're experiencing to be good or bad, to be hard, difficult, easy, whatever, that doesn't matter. We still thank the Lord for what he's done because what God is doing is the best thing for us. And you know, we, we've talked about this so many times. We might not understand that. Just like, you know, a child might, you know, I don't understand why I'm being disciplined. Well, we as parents, we try our best to explain, this is what God has said, this is why I have to discipline you, and, and we have to do the right thing. And sometimes we don't understand in the moment, why are, Lord, why are you treating me this way? Well, even that question assumes that I deserve some good thing, and I'm getting some bad thing. Well, how foolish are we? We don't deserve any good thing at all. We deserve only hard things. But the Lord in mercy often gives us good things. And we thank the Lord for everything. Uh, the fifth question here he asks is with what should, yeah, with what should we thank? Um, kind of strangely worded, but Psalm 103, 1 is uh, the reference here. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. This was Jan's dad's prayer at the dinner table, I hear. Uh, Mr. Gregory, he would, at the family gatherings, if I, and I've done this, I think it's wonderful. If the buffet is going and, you know, he's earlier in the line and he starts to eat and he's waiting for everybody else to come and then he prays, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. So, um, but the word soul there in the Old Testament, to be serious here. The word soul in the Old Testament really calls in, into our focus the mind, the will, and the emotions. It is everything that makes you who you are, your, your, the totality of your being, if we can put it that way. And so that is with what we should worship the Lord. 
with the totality of our being, with everything that we have in us, we thank the Lord. When should we thank Him? Well, at all times, obviously. Give thanks always for all things unto God. Uh, Psalm fifty-five, seventeen speaks of in the evening, the morning, and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and He shall hear my voice. And then how much should we thank the Lord? Well, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And Scudder, he writes this, I'll read this quotation to you. He says, we must endeavor to proportion our praise to his worthiness and goodness. Well, what in the world does that mean? We are to give God praise in proportion to what he deserves? Well, none of us have ever done that. We've never even come close to that. And so I write here in your notes, we must realize that we fall short in this because his worthiness and goodness is infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. He is worthy of an infinite amount of praise. And we're just simply incapable of giving such. And so what that means for us is that we have to exhaust ourselves of praise to praise the Lord. Right? You know, we, we sing that um, hymn sometimes. I don't get it wrong, but um, how does it go? If the oceans were made out of ink and the sky a parchment made and every man on earth a scribe by trade and every stalk a quill, I'm not saying it right. Um, But to pen the love of God above would drain the oceans dry and um, the scroll could not contain the whole, right? Well, we sing that and it's like, wow, that's, you know, some kind of fancy poetic hyperbole exaggeration for emphasis. Well, it's not hyperbole, right? It's not an exaggeration. It actually, in a, a turn of irony, is an understatement because even if we were to do all that, it still doesn't scratch the surface of what God deserves, right? We, we don't even get close. If we're to praise him to the proportion that he deserves, well, how can we come close to the infinite? And, and we can't. And so we just exhaust ourselves in praising the Lord. We, we, we give it all we got, right? You, she hath done what she could, right? We give it all we can do. So then, just to wrap up, warnings against the sin of unthankfulness. He mentions the fact that unthankfulness is dishonest, disloyal, and foolish. It's dishonest. To be unthankful is dishonest because to not give credit to the Lord is to subversively take the credit to ourselves. To not acknowledge God in it is to, in a roundabout way, take it to ourselves. So that's dishonest. It's disloyal because you claim to be a servant of the Lord, but you set yourself up as if you're the master. You set yourself up as if you're the one who has done this thing. And then it's just foolish and We have the illustration there in Luke 17 about the 10 lepers that came to the Lord. And the Lord cleansed these 10 lepers, the dust settles, and there's only one that comes back. 
And the Lord even asks, Jesus answering said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? It's just one. One in ten. Ten percent. We're thankful. And he closes the section dealing with some of the, uh, the common reasons why people are not thankful. I'll let you read through those. Ignorance of God's good gifts. Pride of your own worth. Forgetfulness. And misinterpreting God's love. Really what he does there is he kind of rephrases, but he goes back to those original four common sins that we're to be aware of in success. And he kind of rephrases those and, and summarizes those in a different way um, as reasons why people are not thankful in the first place. And we must be a thankful people. We're out of time here, so we'll uh, just close now. I'm going to be gone the next three Sundays. Pastor Kimbrough will be doing Sunday school. Um, I'm not sure what he's doing, but uh, Lord willing, when we come back, we'll look at uh, walking with the Lord in times of trouble, times of difficulty and adversity. But let's close in prayer now. Our Father, we do thank you that even as we've been discussing these things, you have been so merciful and so gracious to us. We have experienced so much temporal good at your hand, and for that we give you great thanks. And we pray that you would give us a right perspective on your dealings with us, and that we would rejoice in what you bring across our pathway, and we would acknowledge you and not be forgetful and be thankful for what we have at your hand. We pray that you'll bless our worship service here to follow. We pray even that, as we've been describing, that in our worship this morning, you would uh, enable us and, and teach us just a little bit of what it would mean for us to exhaust ourselves in praise and worship. May we sing with our whole heart. May we uh, listen to the reading of Scripture with all of our attention. Uh, may we listen to the preaching of your word and pray for the help of the Spirit in our own hearts with everything that is in us. May we uh, give 100%, as it were, in worship and praise and adoration to your name. We acknowledge you to be worthy of all these things. So bless our time, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.